Welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. If you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook, thanks so much for being a part of the Menopause Movement. Today on the podcast, we welcome Linda Bavlik. After suffering a medical emergency and being sick for over three years, Linda finally woke up to her power. She's a personal business strategist, speaker, author of the Amazon number one international bestseller, Zest Your Life, A Taste of Inner Wisdom, and certified dream coach. With over 25 years of experience in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors, she has worked with people from all walks of life, from the right Honorable Kim Campbell, the first female prime minister of Canada, entry-level managers in the auto parts industry, federal inmates serving life sentences. She says, I help women who have lost or forgotten their dreams to move from confusion and chaos to a place of clarity. They can be confident and have the life that they design and a life that they really want. I help them build both their personal life and their businesses through values, ancient women's teachings, and heart-to-heart connection. It's not selfish of them to want more in their life. Her mission is to move you to a place of power, perseverance, and zest. Her talks and programs serve anyone seeking greater meaning, deeper understanding, and the kind of joy that comes from the heart. Her energy and her smile make the world a better place. She's the creator of One-to-One Business Influence Builder, Juicy Effective Conversation Techniques, and Powerful First Impressions. During the podcast, we talk about the role stress plays in our health, or lack thereof, how support is so important in life, especially with someone in a medical crisis, how women are trained to give away our power, and how to take it back, dealing with the voice inside our heads, that's also the one I call the bitch inside my head who tells me I suck, (laughs) her experiences in shamanic traditions and vision quests what the Mayan teaching sacred moon cycles are and how it applies to our lives. Now, at the end of the episode, make sure you visit drmichellegordon.com slash podcasts where you can find the show notes plus the links to the books and resources mentioned in the episode. And if you enjoy the episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you are always the first to know when each episode is released. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for all of the five-star reviews. If you haven't left a review yet, please take the time to review the podcast. This helps more women find it and get the help they need during the disruption of menopause. No one should have to go through it alone. Now, we've also created a free training for podcast listeners to help you go from mental misery, and that's, you know, the hot, sweaty, sleepless nights, irritable, low mood, feeling like an alien beamed down and took control of your body, piling on weight and looking pregnant, feeling like managing your menopause is a full-time job. Sound familiar? Yeah. To minnow mate, uh, not bothered by symptoms, happy and content with life, even dropping weight and fitting into your pre-menopause clothes, among other things. To access the free video training, go to learn.menopausemovement.com forward slash start. And thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. I really appreciate you. So Linda Bavlik is joining us today. And Linda, I'm so excited to have you here on the podcast. It's, you know, right in the middle. We're recording this right at the beginning of the coronavirus epidemic, pandemic. And, you know, right now I'm in New York where there's the, the you know, highest number of cases in the USA. Canada's just getting started, but, you know, some of your politicians, right, I think Trudeau's wife has it. And so we're, you know, we're still at the very beginning. And by the time this airs, we'll, we'll be you know, a few weeks into it. And what I think is so timely about talking to you is that now, you know, everybody has to be home and they can't go out. And it give, the, the world is having a chance to heal from all the stuff we've done to it, which is, you know, really kind of interesting when you look at it from an energetic standpoint, you know, what, what's happening with the world. But on top of that, you know, you help women go from, you know, where they are now kind of stuck and not sure what to do to where they want to be maybe and have a more zesty life, right? Through your book, Zest Your Life, A Taste of Inner Wisdom. Yeah, there it is. 
Right. And um, so you've been endorsed by Joe Vitale and you've been endorsed by Marsha Weeder. And so you've got some, you've got some big, big names behind you. And it's exciting to have you here because now more than ever, I mean, especially with a lot of people out of their jobs, a lot of people home, you know, more people are moving to online. And so, and, and even, you know, maybe it doesn't even have to be online, but but let's, you know, I'm just glad to have you here and, and let's just go ahead and start the conversation and talk about how, you know, maybe you could start with, you know, your menopause journey and how, how menopause affected you in your life. Okay. I, I don't know if it was linked to menopause. It never really made that connection. But in about 20 years ago, I Suddenly, I thought I was on top of the world and I was preparing meals. And then I went out for a run with the dog, which isn't like a run like runners, you know. <laughs> I was running a little bit. And then when I got home, everything blew up in my head. I was sitting at the dinner table and I lost my power of speech. And I had a massive, massive headache. So it looked like I might be presenting with a stroke. And my husband took me to emerge and half my body was paralyzed wow. and they, I was sick for three years and they never did find anything, but I've heard every bad brain joke that exists and I have something abnormal on the left side of my brain. That's all they could find. When, when you say, I mean, as, as a doctor, I have to kind of, I, I want to <laughs> dig into that a little bit. So, you know, what, what do you mean by something abnormal? Is it an abnormal MRI or an abnormal CT scan? Yes, it shows up on the C CT scan, it shows up on brain scans. But and it's what is the it? area that affects my vision and my cognitive right. ability, and that's not been effective. They don't know what it is. Mm. Wow. So, so you had this life-changing experience. Sounds like you had a stroke that probably was, you know, very small, but acted very big and didn't have a whole lot of damage to your brain. Yeah. But for three years, I really was just barely with just enough battery charge to walk around. I went to work every day, but I was exhausted. But all that time gave me that time, that three years to recuperate and recharge my batteries. Yeah. It was a big, big learning experience to realize at the end of that was that I'd given away my power. And I had no control over my own life. So you gave away your power after having the, the medical emergency? No, I think that's what caused Beforehand. it. Okay. All right. So, so what were you doing before the medical emergency? I worked for a member of parliament. So I worked on Parliament Hill, which is like working at the White House. Well, not the White House, but the legislative assembly. Mm -hmm. So, and I worked for a member that was a workaholic and I followed suit. So I would be in the office at seven o'clock in the morning and I worked at least one day every weekend and I wow. didn't leave until six o'clock at night. Okay. So you're working a really high stress job. Two teenagers. And, and two, okay. Executive husband. <laughs> Yeah, so so it's really interesting because I did a podcast with Dr. Green all about you know in boosting your immune system and you know in this era of coronavirus we want to make sure that we're boosting our immune system the best and one of the biggest one of her one of her biggest points was to manage your stress, right? So, you know, stress stress can be and and she talks about stress and she talks about adrenal fatigue and and how that is so 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 important and you know, if you, if you haven't watched that episode yet, make sure you go back and watch it. But, you know, in a nutshell, you want to make sure you're taking the right supplements to help your adrenal glands through this time of weird weirdness and stress. And so somebody like you who was like type A, getting things done, going to parliament, I mean, having to slow down for three years must have just been really a huge change for you. Yeah, it was tough. And during question period, my member only had a love seat. So I would go up to another office to a member that had a nice long couch and I would go lie down and have a nap for an hour. And uh -huh. then his staff would wake me up when it was time for me to go back to my office. Wait, so what, is, what is question period? Because It's an hour every that. day where the members of parliament get to ask each other questions. Okay. okay. So it's where the opposition asks the government members questions. It's 
really where they hash things out. Got and it. but the important thing was that I had support. I had support from people covered me. I traveled the country with a royal commission. Same thing. Where's Linda? Oh, I thought I just saw her around the corner and they'd come and get me because I'd be lying in my room having a nap. So I could wow. so I could get through my days. But the support is hugely important. Yeah. So you go through this thing, you realize that, you know, you're in this high stress job and you have three years of, you know, the opportunity really to reevaluate your life, right? And, and through that time, you decide, you realize that you'd given away your power. So let's talk a little bit about what that means to give away your power for you and, and what exactly happened. Well, it's an interesting thing because, you know, we all came here by having enough power to birth ourselves into this world. So what happens then? Because no one can take our power away. We give our power away. So we give it away to fear. We give it away to our family members. It's like this. It's all over the yeah. place. Here, do you want a piece of me? Here you go. Here you go. And we've all met those people that plug into us. And you can just feel your energy and your power being sucked out. And there's other times where we just say, no, stop. It's yeah. my power. And I interviewed my granddaughter, who was nine at the time. And I asked her, she's a very wise woman. I said, <laughs> what is power to you? And she says, oh, power to me, it's like a diamond. And you just hold it close to your heart and you keep it safe. Well, that's that's nice for that for that generation. I think that those of us in the, you know, in menopausal age and and beyond, you know, I was raised in a very misogynistic kind of patriarchal society, mm -hmm. and and I talk a lot about it, and and not to be a man basher because you know I think men are great, and without men, there's no no people, right? So, so we need, we, we need both genders, but we don't need one gender to be lording over another. And it's, it's really been interesting to study the patriarchy uh, as it relates to religious history or, you know, the role of, of, of the woman throughout, throughout history. I mean, I, and I talk about this book a lot. It's called the alphabet versus the goddess. And it's, it's a, it's a, so I, I call it, it's, it's a historical text, but it's really, a, I think it's, it's one of the best historical religious texts I've ever read. And it talks about how before written language, all gods were female. Yes. And then as written language came in and we started using the other side of our brain, the male, the, 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 the masculine took over and the goddesses were murdered and became parts of different mountains and things like that. And then you see it with the subjugation of women and how, you know, men only want sons, but, you know, we don't look at the fact that, that we need both sexes in order to procreate and, you know, and women have to be subject to, to, to men. You know, you look at the Bible and, and while Jesus was great and Jesus wasn't like that, St. Paul was, you know, a true, true misogynist. And, and so it's very, it's very hard to reconcile that. And, you know, just circling it back to my, my upbringing, I had three brothers and everything they said was more important than anything I said. And, mm -hmm. and it was just like, you know, like, where do I fit? And so, you know, I've started to realize that, you know, we have God, the father, we have, you know, they're, they're, you know, I mean, and, and you're talking about, you know, how we are spiritual beings having a human experience and how we birth ourselves into it so that we can kind of figure out in this body that we are spiritual, right? And, and we, we come, we, we choose our parents and we choose, you know, this life as spiritual beings, which, you know, this is now getting very metaphysical because, <laughs> because I when you know, I am right on the same page with you. Right. But you know, it's, it's so funny because, because, you know, when you start to think this way, it gets really like, woo, woo, you know, strange. But, but the more, the more I meditate, the more I study the religion, the more I, the more I realize what the truth is, the more it is that, you know, we are truly just energy in form. Exactly. And energy that form. it can change because if we fall into the fear, fear is a big power grabber because yeah. if we give our power to fear, 
it'll take us down at the knees. And that's why the way we were raised, we did that because we didn't dare stand up against our brothers. Right. We just didn't. Well, I did. It was but not I got pushed I down. Wasn't, <laughs> wasn't allowed to yeah. ever claim the equality in there. You know, I remember my parents paid the admin fee for my brother to apply to college and they wouldn't pay for mine. Now, wow. he was three years older than me and we graduated grade 12 together. Wow, that's, yes. that's crazy. But they that's were prepared crazy. to pay for his. I went to my boss and he lent me the money. Wow. So it's, but it was that kind of inequality. And I think that carries right through and it comes back up in our menopause years and you go, wait a minute. That and then you start thinking about those things and you realize how uneven it was and you lost your power to the society you were raised in. But now menopause and for years after that, I think it starts around 50, 54. That's when my clients, uh, I don't know what's going on. And I have a sacred moon cycle teaching that I do around that. That's an ancient Mayan verbal teaching that's very powerful about our chaotic journeys. And one of them happens at 54. And that's when we start to say, I'm in charge here. I'm in charge of my own energy, my own power, my own days, my own legacy. What am I going to do with it? And the question that kept coming up for me that gave me back that strength to grab my power back was, what's the very best thing Linda can do for Linda today. Yeah, that's that's really great. Uh, so, the most important question. So, one of the things I say to the women who come through my program, you know, is that we've we've spent our lives caring for others. You know, we're mothers. When we have it, I mean, I talk about how you know you have a baby, and and unless unless there's something broken in your brain there is no love like like the the the, the emotional love that comes th you know when you when you birth someone it, i mean i just i've never felt anything you know i mean i i'll do anything to keep my kid alive right and that's that's how i i think that there's nothing more like that and so we are built to serve that in that way you know we 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 breastfeed and that's a service and but then, you know, if you look look back at the, you know, the 50s, right, and how women women were were only, I mean, especially in America, were were only existent to serve men, to provide, you know, the, you know, I can I can what is it? I can I can bring home the bacon and then fry it up in a pan. If that you remember that from the yeah. 70s, right? And but back in the 50s, when you look at the advertisements with the man putting the woman over his knees and like like as if it's okay to beat your wife and that is you know something that that i mean still happens but it's not as common i think in 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 terms of societal expectation right it's it's well, not actually it's not. that's a big concern right now with everyone home together yeah is that going to rear its ugly head because yeah. if there's families together couples together that she's a victim to violence that violence may climb right over and she won't feel like she's safe enough to get out or call a friend or anything. Right. Uh, she won't even be able to, she's hiding somewhere in the house. So I think that's a very important thing to remember. Um, yeah. I'll make sure that we, you know, remember that, that, you know, if you are, I mean, we've, we've had a couple women on who've had, you know, pretty significant domestic violence problems in their past that they were able to get out of. And so if you are in that situation, then make sure that you use the local resources that you have to, to, to get out. I mean, the, the homeless, not the homeless, but the, the battered women's shelters are still active and they're still going to be able to help you. So you know, that's, I think that that is, you know, with everyone being home, that, that certainly is a concern. But let's move on to talking more about how to overcome your fear. If, if you've given your power away to fear, how, how do you bring it back? Well, it's a couple of different ways. And it could be that you've just had enough. You just can't take it anymore. You, or you choose, I don't like that expression. I prefer you choose not to take it anymore. And you say, today's the day. 
this is the last time this is going to happen to me. And you need to talk to yourself. You need to really be kind to yourself, have kind words to yourself. I just had a friend go through this. So it's really that digging deep inside and knowing you are a strong woman, you are a powerful woman, and you are enough. And change the voices in your head. Listen to powerful podcasts like this podcast that tells you you are not alone and you have something to contribute to this world. And those voices, what they're saying to you is wrong. You need to fire the itty-bitty shitty committee that's in your head. <laughs> I love it. So I call it the bitch inside my head who tells me I suck. Yeah, see? That's, I, that's I what I call it. I wouldn't put a female gender on it. Well, mine, mine is female, but, <laughs> but it's really funny because as I was talking about, you know, growing up with a male God and, and having all brothers, I actually had a lot of gender uh, misidentity as a kid because, because I, you know, I saw myself as masculine and, and it wasn't, it was because I wanted what they had. It wasn't that I didn't accept my female body, you know, or my female genitalia or any of that. It was more about the fact that, you know, why can't I do the same things? Why can't I have that same power? And so, and so it was, it was very interesting as I, you know, grew up in my life and got married and got, had a baby and, you know, started to really accept myself as fully feminine, but yet still have the ability to be in touch with God. And a part of God, right? And that that has been one of the biggest the biggest things for me. But in terms of dealing with the voice in your head, th there is a great book, and I recommend it all the time. I've, it's probably the fourth or fifth time I brought it up on the podcast. But it, it's the Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And, yes. and what I love, yeah, what I love about that book is he he actually got into meditation because he didn't understand what the voice was. And I recently did a book group with that book. And because we had the book group, we were only reading certain sections. And so I would go outside and run or, you know, do my exercise and I would just listen to the one section over and over and over. And so I start. it really got into me. But I think it's, I think that's a book that, that people should read like once a year because it's a truly life-changing book because it's all about how, how to cope with the voice. Mm-hmm. Because the voice is not you. You are the one who observes the voice. And not, you know, that, and that, that sounds so, and the first time I listened to that book, it went in, in one ear and out the other. And it wasn't until the fourth or fifth time that I really got it. And so, you know, if I say this to you once, I'll say it to you over and over and over. You are not the voice in your head. And we think that we are. But remember, the voice will take both sides. The voice will say, hey, really good job. Oh, God damn it, you suck. And so... <laughs> And so you have to, you have to realize that just, you know, that's not who you are. You are the one who sees the voice or hears the voice or watches the voice. So. And it's asking that voice, is that true? Is that yeah. really true? Like I just had this friend who just got out of this abusive situation. Now she says, I'm worried that I won't be able to earn enough money. I won't be able to earn money through all this. And I said, well, makes, what about if you earn even more? What about if this yeah. turns everything around for you? And you end up doing really well. So it's just that mind shift change. And it's interesting because the, my editor in my book, and I quoted her on the back because she said she actually found herself getting happier as she read my book. Yeah, she, that's That just great. doesn't happen. I edit a lot of books in a year. She says, but for that to happen, you've got something special here. So yeah. certainly reading uplifting literature and their affirmations through it. So you can just open any page and read a section of it yeah. and see what comes up for you and see how you can find that happiness or go back to that happy place that somewhere in your life, you had a piece of happiness. Maybe it was the first time you smelled a rose. Maybe it was the first time something magical happened to you. I'm sitting here in a very foggy, foggy day. Yeah, it's foggy I, here too. I love the fog. It's like so much mystery and magic and the geese are coming back and they're making yeah. a racket. And it's like, that is so cool. Just appreciating that the world is out there and it's still going on. You know, that goose has to fly up and say, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And then just says, oh, what the hell? I'm not staying <laughs> behind. So it's, I think this is a tipping point and a great opportunity for women like 
yourself and myself and your listeners and my listeners. Let's just link arms. Let's make, yeah. this happen. make this world a better place because it's up to us. And this may be the perfect, perfect opportunity for us to put our gifts out there. Somebody wants what we have because we've been around for a long time. We lived through SARS. We lived through 9-11. We lived through a lot of stuff. And yeah. now is the time for us to take those gifts. And it may be as simple as smiling at someone, just a smile and a nod. And that's all. We're walking around the neighborhood. That's all you can do is say hello. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, I think that in terms of you know, looking, looking for opportunity and reframing. I mean, you talk about how, you know, you reframed for your friend who says, I'm afraid that I can't. And you said, well, what if you could? And that is, it was classic NLP, but it's, <laughs> but it works. <laughs> it does. It works because, because at the end of the day, you know, and, and I, I, I teach this, that we live our whole lives inside our mind, right? And this is something that Wayne Dyer said, that really stuck me. It stuck with me so, so much. You know, the late, great Wayne Dyer, who was such an amazing spiritual teacher. And he basically said, you know, you live your whole life in your minds. Why not make it a happy place? Yeah. Right. Because, you know, and, and, and we have, you know, 90,000 thoughts, what 60,000 thoughts a day, about 90% of them are, you know, untrue or negative or unhelpful. And so how can we, improve, you know, and you just got to start by being aware. Once you wake up to it, then it's, it's a lot easier, you know, once you realize that, oh, this is happening, you know, and you just try to be a little bit mindful. I find that meditation has really helped me over the last couple of years in terms of, you know, I don't worry, you know, I mean, the, the market is crashing, all my, almost all my cash reserves are, and somewhere they're doing something they're on vacation right now they'll be back you know it i it, love that you said awaken because the yeah. very first section in the book is called awaken the woman within yeah and that's, that's great. what happens in menopause the woman within can't be held down anymore so the yeah. floodgates open and she's awake and you got to watch out you know when you put your feet on the floor and the devil the devil says ah oh, shit she's up <laughs> you know, you know there's going to be trouble. You know that that's going to happen. And I don't know about your political views, but I certainly think that your president has done women a big, big favor, and he's not even aware of it because he, uh, yeah. he pissed us off. He did. He pissed us off. You made us mad, and that's yeah. very dangerous. And well, I find women are more stepping into their power now than ever and that power and the control is the hand in glove it's yeah. like yes today if is we could just day. get a real woman presidential candidate i'd be so happy yeah but i'm not That'd ready for that yet start. and maybe yeah. this will shake her out maybe she's going to awaken inside of her and be a strong candidate right, and we'll it's see. about awakening that woman inside of us and when that woman within wakes up sometimes it's just a friend giving her a nudge sometimes it's this podcast and you go yeah that's me i want to awaken that woman is shaking that's the voice in your head that you're hearing she's saying wake up wake yeah. up and then pretty soon she's yelling at you and throwing rocks at you and saying linda wake up for the love of god i made you sick for three years are you going to wake up yet and then i realized Life is too short to even spend a moment not being zesty and not being happy. Because I don't know about you, but I put a lot of friends in the grave in the last couple of years. And yeah. life is short. So let's follow Wayne Dyer and say yes. And I mean, even he's left us. Yeah. You know? So let's make every moment count. Because we can find beauty and love in every moment. We can. I, I agree. There is beauty and love in every moment and, and there's opportunity around every corner and it's our time right now to be lifting up each other in terms of community and in terms of, you know, walking into our power and trying to discover what that is. And, and in terms of, you know, figuring that out, what, what I've noticed is that, is that, you know, as, as women wake up and start to walk into their power, you know, 
so many relationships change. And so how do you help a woman prepare for that change? I mean, you know, her marriage might dissolve or her, you know, relationship may not, may not weather it. And so how do you help women kind of get ready? Because listen, you go through this stuff. I mean, you're going to change it. You can't help it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really important that you're the one that stands in your power in the relationship. And it's not about changing somebody else. I've been married for 48 years to the same man who happens to look a lot like Wayne Dyer. (laughs) Bald. Yeah, yeah, which is a little weird uh, because he didn't always, but he does now. And it's really a matter of giving each other opportunity to grow, but it's up to me to heal myself. And I've had to take a stand for myself and heal. You know, remember the women, we're the healers. And so it's our responsibility to heal ourselves and not to try to fix somebody else. Whatever his issues are, I can't fix them. It's not my circus. It's not my monkeys. I will do my best to help you help yourself, but I'm only going to hand you the book and it's up to you to read it or not read it and to do or not do. But it's up to me to design the life that I want, the life that I feel good in. And if I don't feel good in it, then I will have a conversation and I will certainly tell them where I stand that this isn't, I don't like this kind of thing that's going on. And it takes some, sometimes a couple of days, but he'll react and we're still together because of that. And sometimes that doesn't work. I mean, 52% of the population is getting divorced. Right. So they don't know how to handle those tools, but it's a lot of compassion and understanding that like we were raised in that patriarchal world. So were they. They were raised to be the big boss daddies and to just always be there to always, yeah, but I'm the man, I'm in charge. Yeah. Well, I've got newsflash for you. (laughs) You're not in charge of me. Right. Well, that's, that's really important. I think because what, what happens, I think, as we, as we walk into our power, you know, our significant others, I happen to be married to a lady, but I was married to a man in the past. So I get it. We change, and then the things that that they notice about us, they may rail against the change, right? And and they rail against our changes, and we look at them and say, "But that has nothing to do with me. That's not my problem. This is you. This is you." And and for somebody to just walk away and just like not, you know. And so when you've had like this constant push and pull over, you know, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years, and then all of a sudden now you know, one partner is like fulfilled maybe or distant in a way that, that dis, you know, not, di- I wouldn't say, I, I don't know if distance the right word, but detached from outcome because that's what happens when you start to discover yourself. You get more detached from outcomes and when you get detached from outcomes, nothing can phase you. And so then you just like stand there and the winds are whipping around and the, the world is, you know, going fucking crazy and, and you're just there and you're like, wow, this is really interesting. And then you get that great line, you don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. yeah. noticed. Yeah. It's the matter of being able to stand, like you say, in the wind, strong with all of that going on around us and know where we are. But we can only do that if our feet are well planted on the floor in the ground, in Mother Earth, through, uh, I med- I'm like you, I meditate every morning, I journal my meditation every morning, and my book, 60,000 words, one word, mindset, and we're in control of all of that, yeah. and so to be able to ground myself, center myself every morning, it's like, oh, you're doing that again? Yeah, I'm doing my meditation yeah. every morning, that's what I'm going yeah, to so- do and and that's and and that's really important. And in the middle mate, uh, the middle system, I have you know the the we teach the middle mate way of living, and it you know it's uh, we start with 
diet, you know, we talk about the middlemate way of eating, the middlemate way of moving, and then we get to the middlemate way of thinking. And when we when we do that, we start talking about the ways to look at the world and how we can how we can change it ourselves. And then with with the community of all the middlemates, you know, everybody supports each other, and it's just like, oh my gosh, you know. So it's really great because I what what I didn't when I, when I followed this calling to create this minnow system. I was like, I, I, I mean, I went through menopause, right? And I was like, oh my God, what is happening to me? And why did I just gain 50 pounds? And why do I feel like shit? And, and how come, you know, people are saying, well, you just got to get through menopause and then the weight will fall off. I'm like, I don't want to wait that long. Menopause can last for 20 years, right? And I'm miserable. And so, you know, I, I coined this phrase of mental misery. And, <laughs> you know, so I was totally in mental misery. And then, and so then I started like studying and like, okay, I got to get through this. What is it? And I thought, I can't be the only one. So I, I'm like, okay. I'm going to do this. And I created this course, you know, with, with a few women who bought with me. And then I started seeing that, I mean, the, the changes just, just from, you know, going through this where, where I was like, well, wait a minute, you know, all I'm doing is like, I'm trying to teach something. And, and it was just, and now it's like the results are so much better than mine. I've got a couple women who've lost over 40 pounds in, in you know, six months or something. And it's just like, what is happening? Because like, it took me like a couple of years to lose 50 pounds, right? And I'm just like, what is happening here? I mean, I, you know, and it, it, and I think, I think just to go back to zest, right? Yeah. And talk about it from zest. It's like, I've walked into who I was supposed to be. Right. And I had this programming from when I was five years old that I discovered through a little meditation with James Wedmore, actually, you know, that, that, that I had a programming from my mother saying that doctors are rich. And so my little five-year-old brain decided that I could only make money if I was a doctor. All right. <laughs> right. But then I became a doctor, but that wasn't my true calling. Yeah. And so my true calling was, you know, I mean, here I am and, and I'm a doctor and it's okay, but it, it's just really funny to, to see that, you know, how the subconscious mind is so powerful and the subconscious mind will run you through the programming that it, that it decides, even when we don't have the history or the, you know, to be able to manage, you know, what those emotions are like, like a five-year-old, right? So what I guess to bring it all back is, you know, we all have a purpose every single one of us. And, you know, I think that with the changes that happen in menopause, especially, we get so, a lot of us, not everyone, but a lot of us get really, really disrupted and we don't recognize ourselves and we get into a, you know, an existential crisis almost. Like, I don't know what I am, who I am, what's my purpose, these sorts of things. And, you know, this program that you have is, is one that can really help a woman figure that out, yeah. find their zest. And when you think about it, Gloria Steinman wrote about this years ago, about the stages that women go through, you know, they, and she studied this and did the research. When girls go into high school in grade nine, they feel really good. Their self-esteem is really high. And when they come out in grade 12, they've lost all their confidence. Boys go in in grade nine and they're shorter in their runs. And by the end of grade 12, they're tall basketball players and they're heroes. And it's tipped around. And then the men, there's a great book called Seasons in a Man's Life. And he studied 50 men as they went through all these stages. So a man's stage and a woman's stage is completely different. So they go at 27, the men want to get married, which coincides with the sacred moon cycles because that's your first chaotic journey. And then they have their careers. Then they get to be about 45, tipping around 50, and they'll go, oh, I'm not the young man on the move, or they are the young man on the move, and that's all they can think of is chugging it up. Because at 27, they had the realization, I need a wife, I need kids, I need a Porsche. Hmm. And then, you know, they have their kids, and then they retire at 50, 55, 60, 65, whatever it is, and they're done. They just want to sit on the couch. They are finished. This is a big generalization, but look around. Women, on the other hand, we finally got, it's like, wow, I got through university. I went back as an adult. I had two kids and two little kids and an executive husband. And I went through, I finished my, I had taken courses and, but I finished my degree and then I went to work, still had the kids. Then I worked really, really hard, got all through that. But I'll tell you, once the kids were gone, and I was free to live my life, 
I mean, my life had really just started seven years ago when I moved back to Ottawa. And yeah. it's like, oh, that's when I launched my book. That's when I had my show. Once a month, I would have a show on a stage where I would get six speakers to tell a story from the heart. That's how I got to know thousands of people in Ottawa, which I had no connections then. And it just did everything for me. And I knew you want a different personality, you put a microphone in my hand and put me on a stage or put me on a podcast or put me where I get to talk to people. It's totally different. What, what's, and, your, what's your Enneagram number? Do you know? No, I don't. Uh, oh, okay. I've done it, but I don't remember it offhand. I bet you're a three. Okay, I'll circle I, back. I bet you're a three. You I'll could, say. yeah, you can take Ian Crone's book, uh, The Road Back to You, has, you can take the Enneagram test there. And if you want to know more about the Enneagram, go back and watch uh, Stephanie Davis on the Enneagram. It's an amazing interview. It's long, but uh, she taught us a lot about what the Enneagram, Enneagram means. So, so when all right, you so you went, pause, you went back then, to school. How old were you when you I went guess, back to school? I graduated in, I was 33. 33. I went to medical I school. I was 30, 31. Yeah, that's chaotic yeah. journey at 33. Christ died at 33. And yeah. 27 is that 27 club they talk about all the people dying. Chaotic journey. Like oh, it's, yeah. all, it's all here. You and I need to do this, sacred movement. <laughs> so um, yeah, so let's, let's, let's talk a little bit, if you could, in, in a bit, you know, we have about 15 more minutes or so. If we could talk a little bit about the sacred moon cycle and how you walk women through that. And, and, and you're not the only one. I mean, I was at... James Wedmore has a, he's one of my mentors and I'm hoping to get him on the podcast soon. So James Wedmore at BBD Live in last, last fall had somebody come on and talk about, I think it was Kate Northrup who talked about the moon cycles and how women need to go through the moon. And I, I didn't really pay much attention because she talked about how it's, you know, really put together with our menstrual cycles. And since I am no longer menstruating, I thought, you know, I'm not going to really pay attention to this. But maybe you can talk just briefly, you know, like a high, oh, high level overview of what kind of, you know, how, how the moon affects the cycle, you know, the, the life of a woman, you know, in a month. Okay. Well, and I've read Kate's stuff and what she talks about is tied to menstrual cycles. Yeah. This is not. This applies to men and women. It's called sacred moon cycles. I think it's because of the shape of the different moods as we walk through and it's a Mayan teaching that is verbal teaching. So every, you know, if you take a peek, there are four, and there are no books on this. So it was taught to me because I did shamanic studies starting in the year 2000 when I went on my first vision quest. So you're, you have- Okay, wait, wait, whoa, 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 back it up. You did a vision quest with, with ayahuasca? Uh, that was later. That was, <laughs> uh, that was 10 years ago that I did that one. I went was it psilocybin then or was it LSD? No, no, it was ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Okay. 10 years ago. Yeah, that was when I was in Peru and Bolivia. All right. So it's funny because now you're saying you're, you know, you've been on a shamanic journey and we have, yeah, we have podcast here with Makosi Candace Pitts all about, you know, finding your purpose and her own shamanic quest. And she's, she's another BBDer, but yeah. I, I, you know, I think that that's, that's really interesting. I mean, you've, you've got so much to offer. So, so you learn. So is it that I, I want to hear, let's, let's, let's see, wait, 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 before we get into the moon cycles, I want to hear more about, about a vision quest. Okay. So I had the opportunity one summer, that was my introduction into shamanism. And uh, that was one of the ceremonies we did was a vision quest. So you spend, this is in Northern Ontario in Canada. It's in August. I think I went in August. And you spend the whole, you get different ceremonies you have to do. You spend the whole night in the woods by yourself. That one's called the Night on the Mountain of Fear. So there are all these ceremonies that you're prepared for, and then you go through. And did you take ayahuasca before you went no, and that were was, alone? I did the Vision Quest in 2000. And I did the other was with one of my shamanic teachers 10 years ago. I went to Peru and Bolivia and did Machu Picchu. Okay. That was wow. a spiritual journey. It just happened. Did you walk up it all the way up to the top? Oh, yeah. I was with the tough guy. Oh, my God. Yeah. She climbs where it was so steep. We're right where the five glaciers are. 
It was yeah. so steep you had to crawl on all fours because you could oh. not stand upright. I want to go there. That's amazing. Once the world comes down, I will go there. So just for the, the listeners who don't know what it is, ayahuasca, it's ancient. It's an herb. Combination of herbs, actually. Yeah. It's created in multiple ways. One way is by chewing it and spitting into a bucket and then like serving it. It's very weird. But, but it, at the end of the day, it's, it's a hallucinogen that causes visions. And when you have the vision, there's also like some, some body purging that happens. So people get nauseous and throw up and they'll have hallucin hallucinogenic kind of visions. And it also brings out what, what's known as the God particle is DMT that we find in the pineal gland. And so it, it makes this all work. I don't recommend it. If you want to do a vision quest, my suggestion is you start with something like psilocybin and under a controlled, don't go buy magic mushrooms on the black market, but go, there are, there are controlled ways of taking it. And I don't have any resources now, but I do know some people who've done it. So, I mean, even Andy Weil, who is, you know, Andrew Weil, the, the doctor who's known here in America as a, the, the kind of the father of bringing integrative medicine back, uh, talks about his own, you know, reality testing back back in the day you know he was he worked with uh, whenever i can't remember the guy's name is it lear i don't remember but they, they were back when it was okay to experiment with lsd and then and then it got it got stopped by the government but so vision questing is it, it's something that's been going on in indigenous cultures for like ever so and it's, in women's cultures that's you know they did that in the red tent once a month when the women menstruated, that's when they had the opportunity to get away from everything else. Now, when I started my shamanic journey in 2000, there was none of that. It was total sobriety. There was no alcohol, no anything. And my trip to Peru, the opportunity was there for me to meet my plant spirit guides, which is a very respectful way. This is not tripping. This is serious stuff. And it's- oh, yeah connecting with your plant spirit guides. And as the shaman was going around, he sort of chuckled and put his head back and he started to laugh and we looked at each other and the word writer was right across the screen. And it was like, oh, okay. I had, hadn't started my book yet. Wow, that's really yeah. a great story. So let's go back to the sacred mood cycles, if we could, and just talk about those for a few minutes. Okay, so every 27 years, there are four big moon cycles, and they are 27 years. You start, and within that, there are small moon cycles that last three years. Every three years, you go on a chaotic journey for nine months. And every 27 years, you go on a major chaotic journey. So your big moon in the south is your emotional moon. That's from nine months, because your first nine months is your first chaotic journey, let's face mm. it, <laughs> and then until 27. And that 27 years is the emotional years. That's your growing up years. That's where you do a lot of crying. The South is the place of the water and the emotions. And at 27, like I already mentioned about the guys that want to get married, the wife, the kids, we move over to the physical and that's from 27 to 54. That's when we gather, you know, our kids, our family, our car, our career, everything is in there. And my mother died when she was in the west of the big west moon. I got sick when I was 40, which is the physical of the physical. So that's the, if anything is going to happen to you as far as illness, it's going to be in your 40s. And well, you may get other things, but certainly there's a lot of people that go down in their 40s. And at 54, when you're getting ready, now you want to get rid of your car, your kids, your husband, <laughs> all that junk, the junk you accumulated, mm -hmm. and you're ready to go to the big north moon, which is the mind. That's where we get to share our gifts, our knowledge, our wisdom. That's what happens between the age of 54.9 and 81. And then from 81, you're going into the big north, to the spiritual moon is your fourth moon. So the best way to explain it quickly is 
How old are you? I'm 55. Oh, so you just had your chaotic journey. It was pretty freaking chaotic too. Yeah. And chaos means you want to clean out the closets. You take everything out. I keep this. I throw that away. I fix this. And I'm done with that. And then you just put back what you really need, the closet. Yeah. So think of it that way. And when I was teaching it to a group of women, one woman started to cry. I said, let's do like this. Just go back 27 years. Where were you? You were 28 years old. What was happening in your life? Me? Yes. Or her. I was pregnant and in college. Similarity. And I'm still the only, still the only woman to ever have a baby while a, while a student at that school, I'm pretty sure. So you had a lot of similar experiences, I would guess, at 28 as you did at 54. And um, anything that wasn't maybe. healed 27 years ago needs, it will come back. So yeah. back to teaching, you'll need to think about that. Yeah. Back to teaching. So this, I said, just go back 27 years. It's the easiest way to do it. And this woman started to cry. And she said, that's when I aborted the only child I would ever have. Mm. So I worked with her and brought her to the realization that she was a music teacher and she had hundreds of children that she had influenced and mothered and nurtured, but she had been feeling all of those emotions. She'd been crying for no reason, didn't know all of her confusion. But once it came clear to her that this wasn't about where she was now, but it was about 27 years ago, then she could go back and heal that pain. And understand it from a place of emotional maturity, which she didn't have when she had that abortion. So it's going back with the emotional maturity and looking at it from where you are now and saying, well, is that true? Was I really abandoned? Was I this or that? Whatever it was. And you could go, oh, no. My my mother died when I was 17. She didn't abandon me. It only took me 33 years to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's just, you know, I mean, I remember when I was in my twenties and, and looking back at my life, which was pretty horrendous. I had a pretty, a pretty, pretty, pretty traumatic childhood. And I remember thinking about, you know, when I, when I moved away and, you know, was living on my own and thinking about my mom and I had gone through some programs where I had discovered forgiveness. And I remember saying to my brother, I think, or yeah, I think it was my brother. I said, you know, they did the best they could with what they had. They just didn't have a lot. And and that was really freeing for me. And I think I think when it comes to looking at, you know, whether it's the moon cycle or whether it's regrets or whether it's, you know, whatever comes up for us as we start to be more self introspective or or, you know, self self realization as it were, there is a lot of opportunity for self-forgiveness. And as we, as we forgive ourselves more, then we can walk into that power that you talk about. I mean, forgiveness is so powerful. And the other thing is, is that remember, if somebody did some harm to you, and this is for the listeners, if somebody did some harm to you years and years and years ago, and you're either thinking about it a lot, or it comes back to you in weird ways like dreams, or if you are, you know, bogged down by it, remember what's happening when, when, you, when you refuse to forgive what somebody else did, that's giving away your power. Yes. And this is, as a, as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, this was something I learned back in my 20s, that, that the only way that I could get myself back was to forgive and let it go. And that doesn't mean I forgot. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I still, I mean, I'd still talk about it. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm pretty open about the fact that, that that happened to me. And there's a whole year of my life I don't remember and all these things. But there's such opportunity for forgiveness, forgiveness of me for, for letting it happen because I feel responsible, forgiveness of my parents for letting it happen, forgiveness of the perpetrators. There was, long, you know, many more than one. And, and just, you know, forgiveness of the church. And it wasn't just a priest, but, you know, just all these things, you know, trying to reconcile God with, you know, with, with abuse of power, all those things. And, and, and what I found through, you know, this last couple of years, which is interesting because, you know, you talk about your moon cycle, is that the, the truly what Christ said is true. The kingdom of God is within you. 
go inside, uh, allow for forgiveness, and and that's that's where it is. Because as long as you hold the vengeance or try yeah. to hold the control over someone, I always think of it, you know, when you're standing there with your foot on somebody's neck, they can't move, but you can't move either. Right. And until you forgive, that's when you take your foot off their neck and they can do whatever they want and you can do whatever you want. That's right. what forgiveness gives you. It gives you freedom. I love that. I love that. So where can people find you? lindababulic.com is my website. B-A-B-U-L-I-C, lindababulic.com. It's like okay. Gordon. It's very phonetic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I get a lot of G-O-R-D-A-Ns, and that's not my spelling. It's G-O-R-D-O-N. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, Linda, you know, thanks so much for being on the podcast today and being a part of the menopause movement for today, at least. And, uh, you know, I hope that uh, we can have you back again I would like to talk more about the sacred moon cycles. I think, I think you've got a book there. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon, and I wanted to take a moment to share what one of our community members has achieved since she's been working with me. Amanda has had an amazing transformation. Amanda was struggling with joint pain, hot flashes, forgetfulness, sleeplessness, weight gain, and an angry mood. In addition, she lost her confidence and self-worth as menopause crept up on her. Since joining the Menopause Movement membership, Amanda's quality of life has improved in ways no one could have predicted. She has truly transcended the symptoms of menopause and is now living her best life. This is what I want for everyone in the community. Take a listen to Amanda's story. I just want to show you what's possible when you join the community and do the work. Transcendence is available for you, too. Now here's Amanda. Hi, my name is Amanda. I am 54 years old and I live in the UK. At this moment in time, I'm in a fairly good place in my life. Recently, I've lost 18 pounds and I feel healthier and more content than I have done in a long time. However, it hasn't always been this way. Back in October 2011, I had an accident which resulted in a serious injury and surgery and subsequently changed my life forever. And over the next few years during my recovery, menopause crept up on me, but I didn't realise what was happening straight away. I started suffering from more joint pain. I went from always being cold to feeling like I was going to internally combust several times a day. I was getting really forgetful. My sleep pattern was terrible. I piled the weight on a look pregnant and I felt angry all the time. When things were at their worst, I felt incredibly alone and very down. I lost my confidence and self-worth and I felt completely misunderstood and confused about what was happening to me. I received very little support or information from my GP and there was limited information on the internet, but what I really wanted and needed was someone to talk to. The turning point for me was at the beginning of July 2019, when completely by accident, I came across Dr. Michelle Gordon's Facebook page on the menopause movement. At that time, she was doing daily live streams and I started listening to them. I related to a lot of what she was saying and I was really interested in the variety of topics about menopause that she was talking about. The alternative ways to manage menopause symptoms in a more natural way and how your mindset is the key factor to transforming your life more positively. I was also really interested to listen to the other ladies in the group and what they had to say. Ladies who had been or were still suffering from similar symptoms to me. How a lot of them have been able to manage their symptoms much better and how they have turned their lives around and embraced menopause instead of treating it like a demon. Although nervous about taking a risk to join a group I didn't know, I knew that I couldn't and didn't want to carry on living my life the way I was and feeling the way I was feeling. So I made a decision that I too wanted to learn more about menopause, how to manage my symptoms better, and most importantly, learn more about my mindset and the fact that I needed help with changing my outlook on life in order for me to get it back. Life is nowhere near perfect and some days I still have my struggles. But on the whole, I can honestly say that I am in a much better place than I have been for a long time. And for my down days, I understand better how to manage them so they don't get out of hand. I am now on a journey with a fantastic community of like-minded women, 
all of whom continue to support each other no matter where we all live. And I no longer feel confused, misunderstood, worthless or alone. For me, this group has been both a lifesaver and a life changer. And most importantly, the one-to-one private coaching sessions that are available with Dr. Gordon as part of the membership have been invaluable to me. They provide me with an opportunity to discuss more difficult and private issues that I am struggling with and an opportunity to find solutions to address them. Without doubt, I can wholeheartedly say that I owe Dr. Gordon and her group everything for showing me how to take my life back and, more importantly, take control of it. Joining her membership has been the best thing that I have ever done. However, this course is not for everyone. If you're looking for a quick fix that doesn't cost you any time, money or effort, then this is not the group for you. But if you're in a similar situation to how I was not that long ago, feeling desperate and at the end of your tether, but are willing to invest in your own future happiness and peace of mind, but are unsure as to what to do, ask questions and talk to Dr. Gordon. And if you choose to take that leap of faith, you won't regret it, because who wouldn't want to take their life back if they had the chance? If you are feeling like Amanda, you're not alone. There is help for you in the Menopause Movement membership. I want to help you transcend your symptoms and live your best life. To discover how you can become a part of this life-changing community, go to menopausemovement.com. 